What's up, podcast? It is Friday morning, and this is the None of Your Business podcast. So, welcome, Nunez. I appreciate you guys tuning in this morning. Um, so, this one, you know, today's episode is an honor to do. Um, you know, Lonnie is like a brother to me, and we talk about addiction, we talk about the MC. We talk about prison systems, we talk about firefighting, we talk about MMA, we just talk about showing up and being a member of society, you know. Um, you know, Lonnie is a prime example of what you can do to change your life around. Um, you know, he's inspiring. Uh, he's like a brother to me. He, you know... Anytime I need him, he's there. Um, anytime. You know? He's a man of his word. And it's an honor to know him and to have him on the show today. So, uh, you know, the sound is not the greatest on this. And there was a little bit of stops from my own doing so i just want to apologize for that in advance but for the most part it's really good and i hope someone out there gets value out of it so share it on with your friends and uh here we go So, I'm here with uh, Lonnie Hubbard, or Chris Hubbard. What do you go by these days, man? I go by Lonnie. Lonnie, all right. And your Facebook still says Chris, and I just yeah. wasn't I, sure if I was going to the wrong name or not. I don't know why I haven't changed it yet. I just, everybody from my old life knows me as Chris or Chubbs. And uh, once I got out of the system, I decided to keep going by Lonnie. So the system, what do you mean by that? Uh, the prison system, the Department of Corrections. Okay, and like, what was your experience in that? Like, how did you get into that? Like, what, did you have, have like a troubled childhood? Or what, what was going on? <clears throat> uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of my childhood had something to do with it. Uh, young parents alcoholic dad um, abusive of course but I think once I hit 15 I I, I just hated every, everyone and everything uh, the only people that mattered were my friends and uh, I did you know maybe that did play a big role into my rebellion uh, but uh as I kept getting older, it was more the party scene. I was attention seeking. I uh, um, I thought the world revolved around me, and that's how I wanted it to to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be uh, all about Chris Hubbard or Chubbs. I wanted to be the most famous, known person 
in Kalispell, Montana. <laughs> and I thought I was. Uh, I would drink. I would do drugs. Um, pretty much anything I could get my hands on. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Fuck. It's, Me too. It's a cycle. It just keeps getting worse and worse as as the years go by. Yeah, so you were, what, you are at Golden Globe also, weren't you? Golden Globe when I was uh, younger. Um, probably 13 to 15. 13? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and then I'm like 15 years old. You're just like, fuck you guys. I'm going to do drugs. Fuck everyone. I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to party. I was tired of... I wrestled, I boxed, I did MMA, and then I still did it till about I was 21. But it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to party. I wanted to get messed up. I wanted to drink, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a certain le- a certain level of attention that I really liked when I was selling weed. Yeah. Or marijuana. Or cocaine or any kind of drug. Yeah. Uh, I got this attention. I People needed me for something. And I, people call me. Yeah. All the time. Totally. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved that attention. Uh, I would longboard around town selling weed out of a little backpack and enjoyed what I was doing but after the years it progressed into uh, cocaine ecstasy heroin meth and it, as the drugs got more addictive the worse I was off less friends less attention I got to the point where I was by myself. Okay. So, like, why did you get into selling weed? So, she'd kill me for saying this, but me and my mom, me and my stepmother, we got into selling weed together. Mm-hmm. She had the connection. Okay. <clears throat> I had the the contacts. I had the 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 people. Yeah. I had the the people that wanted it, and I knew everybody in town. Okay. So we went in together. We started making really good money together. Nobody knew who my connect was. Just she was the godmother. <laughs> Pretty much. <coughs> okay. Okay. And I, uh, that's how we rolled for a couple years. And then, uh, my dad got involved. Um, he wasn't happy at first when he found out, but when he realized how much money we were bringing in, because we're, we're, we're pretty hard up that year. Uh, that was a couple years. The, the market dropped. My dad's houses weren't selling that he was building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on and so forth neither one of them were really working except you know odd end jobs yeah my dad was a construction worker 
So when he really saw that money coming in, it, it all changed. You know, they went, they went legal. Okay. They opened their own dispensary, grow operation, legalized everything they did. Because that was the only way my dad was going to do it. Then I kind of was kind of pushed to the side because I wanted to stay under the radar. Yeah. I wanted to stay illegal. Yeah, totally. There's more money there. Exactly. Yeah, more money. You're not fucking on the list. You're not. Nobody can come knocking. Well, they can come knocking on your door, but you're not automatically red flagged. Yeah. But you think you're invincible when you're in the nightlight. Yeah, yeah. So, but also that, too. Um, you know, I know that you used to wear a patch. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, oh, okay. Um, I was affiliated with a motorcycle club. Uh, I can't say what club. Yeah. But my my father is the the president of this this chapter. Okay. So, and it wasn't like that to start with. He he and a couple other guys were the founding fathers up here in this chapter. Um, and then it just kind of expanded. Yep. Without just throw that history. And, yep. Yeah. Uh, not not of the club itself, but of the club, the chapter starting in this region. Okay. So, affiliation with that, you know, uh, I. It kind of got illegal. It was always illegal stuff, but I mean. And I, I just kind of ran with that. I, uh, I mean, I was, I was into running guns and drugs and, I mean, of course, allegedly, but it's all, it all played into my drug abuse because I just I. I was really always chasing more and I, that like excitement. Always, yeah, yeah. Trying to feed your habit, your addiction, and that lifestyle. You think this is gonna be the only thing that's gonna be? This is all I know. Yeah, yeah. All, all you fucking know. I get it. Like, it, like from when I was a kid, chaos, chaos. Uh, every day, every day was you wake up, you would think of, I would, I would think of the most outrageous ways to make money. Uh, most dangerous ways. Yeah. I would... God, I would do whatever it took. Do whatever it takes. I would, I would kick in doors. I would kick in doors to empty houses and take everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, was, if I was that hard up at that point. Well, and I was at that point after. Because once I started selling heroin and all that, it... I was hard up because I started using. Yeah, yeah. I used up all my supply. One one time, one year I used up all my supply, and then I was I was at a, a bottom, and that same year I got cancer. I was just gonna ask you about that. I know. Yeah, like how was that? Well, it 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 sucked, but I I saw it as a ticket. Okay. To be honest, I saw it as a ticket to get more oxycontins. Yeah. I was like free oxys. I was like, let's do it. Fuck yeah. Surgeries, yeah. treatment. Then when I had surgery on my rotator cuff, I uh, 
I thought the exact same thing. I was just like, fuck yeah. And now I got a doctor that's going to prescribe me oxys. Yeah. So I fucking got 180 roxy 30s and was fucking done by the time I was. Oh, yeah. I, I do like 180 in like three days and it would be fucked off. <laughs> like, less than 100 pounds. Like, I should be dead. Yeah. And I, w- I was recovering from a 13 hour long surgery uh, on bed rest. Was supposed to be on bed rest for two weeks. I made it three days with staples and stitches in my stomach. And I was, I used up all my Oxycontins in that three days. Um, a month supply, three days. I, uh, once I ran out, I was too afraid to tell my, my dad that I used them all. Right. So in the middle of the night, I'm dry heaving into a garbage can. Yeah, you're sick. Yeah, you're fucking sick. I'm, I'm bulging these staples in my stomach. You know, it, I'm in so much pain. Finally, my my parents had enough at that point. And to back up a little bit, I this is a little bit past uh, my arson charge. We, ma- we made it just a little bit past. So to back up a little bit, We were partying a few years before that, two, three years before that, when I was 18. And uh, drinking, of course, doing ecstasy. Alright, so you're drinking, doing ecstasy at what? Partying with a couple of friends of mine, we went out to a, a party, and uh, we were, <laughs> I just got off of work, and I didn't want to go to work the next day. I had just gotten this job. So, we go out to my job site where we're, I'm building a pole barn, and the idea was, because we're, we're drunk, we're high, having a good time, of course. Uh, was the pole barn was held up by cables and I was like well if I this just goes to show the way of our thinking I thought if I broke the cables loose and the building tipped over I wouldn't have to go to work the next day (laughs) ridiculous ridiculous I know anyways I get it just (laughs) well we we break the, the cables. The building does not fall over. So we're like, ah, screw it. We'll have a good time while we're out here. There's nobody around. So we're drinking. We start a little fire. Little fire. Well, in a fire pit. Just burning slash and old wood. And uh, we find fireworks in the back of uh, my buddy's uh, Dodge Neon. And we take the fireworks out and uh, we're, we're playing with them lighting off Roman candles and stuff like that we we tipped a board over on and it was on the building and we were pulling gas on, on the board and uh, we shot it with a Roman candle boom it goes up alright uh, there's sawdust everywhere well the sawdust catches on fire 
and it just kind of escalated into catching the one of the beams that was holding the building up on fire and then we're like we already heard sirens at this point so we got into the Dodge Neon I'm driving we race out of there and we head down a road we get in a high-speed chase we passed a sheriff sheriff turns I'm driving 90 drinking ever clear and taking ecstasy okay on a dirt road I lose the police officer on these back roads and we see another barn uh, our second logical thinking process we had was oh we'll, we'll catch this bale of hay inside this pole barn on fire and it'll make the police stop to put it out yeah yeah so we get out and we shoot Roman candles into that mm-hmm. catches that up that 12 tons of alfalfa hay on fire and I've churched this story up a couple different times I haven't I don't really tell people the, the full truth of it I don't know why I usually tell them, you know, I was partying. It's a long story. I tell them we're we're out at a party, fireworks, catch 12 tons of alfalfa hay on fire, which is, it's partly true. But the truth is, is we went out and we did this. And uh, so we did that and we got away, we got, we stopped and a sheriff drove by and saw us where we were next to this river stopped we all split there was four of us there was one girl two other guys and all three of us guys got away that night on foot um i mean we had dogs we had sheriffs highway patrol hpd or i mean kpd everywhere looking for us and uh we got away till the next morning my boss showed up at my door picked me up took me to the job site where there's forensics, sheriffs, FBI, I mean, the works were out there. <laughs> and they uh, wow. they got us that day, the next day. They they got the, the female that was with us and uh, she told them our names, our real names. Uh, actually, she only knew me as Chubbs. And uh, they knew the nickname they had the nickname to a face at that point. Yeah, yeah. You built a name for yourself in the town, and yeah. by the time they say jobs, they They knew exactly who yeah. I was. So they picked us up. Uh, we ended up getting charged with arson. A uh, couple years deferred, started out. So then, then those years came of more criminal stuff, you know. I was around guns, drugs, using heroin. Yeah. And then I got that. I got cancer. Uh, and then after a while, I used up all those drugs. My my, my dad finally kicked me out of the house because okay. he, he found some IVs yeah. in my coat jacket. You're shooting up now. Yep, shooting up my Oxycontins, yeah. uh, Roxy's, whatever they were. Whatever the fuck you had. So when I got kicked out, I found somebody I could stay with for Oxycontins. 
it wasn't long after that I uh, I held up a gas station for some beer because uh, I wasn't in my mind you were going to hell up a gas station for a case of beer not even a case of beer two tall boys okay, okay. She, she asked me to stop and I had a pistol in my pocket I pulled the pistol out. I didn't point it at her. I held it in my hand and I looked up at her and she saw me. I saw the fear in her eyes and I just ran. Um, Never heard much about it until finally the police had caught up to me. I was stealing tall boys from gas stations, all the gas stations in town. They all knew me, had me on camera. And they finally caught me. Okay. And my probation officer at the time, he said, I I was doing all sorts of dumb stuff. I mean, I I took a gun out of a pawn shop right in front of the guy, took it off this rack, bolted out the door with three guys on my tail, and I dove through the person's window I was with and screamed, go, go, go. Well, they had me on camera. Um, and so when I finally got caught, I was, I was sitting in jail withdrawing. My probation officer came up, to, finally saw me after, I think like seven days, he made me sit there. And he said, you're looking at 10 years in prison. And I, I didn't, I had no idea I was looking at that. Yeah. And he said, you're looking at 10 years in Montana State Prison. And uh, I, I said, okay. And I called my dad, and I, I told him what was going on. I told him I didn't need a lawyer. I just, I think I, I hit that point where I was just so tired. So I, fucking, thank God. Yeah, I fucking done. saved my life, really. Okay, yeah. I was done running. It's finally, it was fucking, thank God it's over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, and so I did most of my, I did five years total in the Department of Corrections. So did you go to MSP? So I, from Flathead County Jail, I went to the Missoula Regional, which was turned into the MASC program. Okay. Uh, from the MASC program, I went to Connections West. It's kind of a military-style treatment facility. Uh, from there, I went to the Missoula pre-release. I was due to get out of the pre-release, and I borrowed a bike from a buddy of mine. Well, apparently, that was against the rules, and they got me on camera doing it and said I stole it. Okay. So they, they kicked me out of the Missoula pre-release, and then I went to the Montana State Prison. Okay. From the Montana State Prison to Shelby to bounced all over. Okay. For about another year and a half, then I ended up in Start again. Yeah. Or not again. That was the first time I ended up in Start. Are you into Start twice? I've been to Start twice. Okay. So that that was my first time at Start, and I sat there for another seven months, and then I went to the Helena pre-release. And then from the Helena pre-release, I uh, I got out. I made it through Helena pre-release in six months. 
uh, two months live out. And that's where I met my girlfriend at the time, or my girlfriend today. Yeah. I met her at the Fuel Fitness. Um, and then I, I was out for about 10 months. Um, it was kind of a crappy deal. Um, in the Department of Correction or in my probation office, I was on conditional release still. I I stabbed my hand with a uh, my pocket knife working on my truck, and and I wasn't a saint up to this point either. I I was dabbling. I was going back and forth between you know using meth and. And uh, suboxone, or yeah, suboxone and okay. subutex. Yeah, uh, I wasn't full on yet. I mean, I did it a couple times, and I was just beating myself up over it. Yeah. Well, finally, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta straighten up. I gotta do this. So now I'm straightening up, and I, st- I stab my hand, and I go to the ER. And uh, I'm I'm not really on good terms of probation parole here. And uh, at the time, at the time, yeah. (laughs) And I, I go into the yard, get stitches, and they give me tramadol. And I wait till Monday to go in and tell my probation officer. And uh, it was that I hadn't even taken any of the tramadol. Well. one of the head probation officers here uh, said I was self-mutilating and trying to procure drugs. Were you? No, not at all. That was that was the part I was just I was baffled. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I, I said, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. And she <laughs> she didn't like that. She didn't like that I called her crazy. And uh, there went I said. You know, it, I have 17 months left on my DOC commitment, and she said, uh, "Well, I'm gonna send you back for all of it," and she did. She uh, sent me to start, or I went through a couple county jails to start to Nexus, where it is a really intense nine-month treatment facility. And I mean, not in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think what was your experience? The experience, it was ne- not good at all in Nexus. You know, in any of the facilities, mm-hmm. guards treat you like shit. I mean, not all of them. There are some stand-up guys that, you know, that's their job. That's what they do. But a lot of them are abuse their power they're underpaid egotistical fucks yeah yeah okay. exactly and Nexus was the worst of them the guards there were pukes they would it was all a head game there and they would turn all the inmates against each other you know everybody told on everybody and, and I mean in a grand scheme of things maybe that's not the worst thing but you're everything's secret everything is a secret everything is a lie nobody is telling their their truth there okay so 
when you actually do tell your truth there, they they say it's a lie. So then you're just you're just confused. You're like, what the fuck? I'm telling the truth here, and you guys are bashing me for it. Yeah. And then they make up their own truth about you. Okay. And that's the way you have to live it. When you're in that facility, you have to live that lie. You have to watch your back. You have to take care of yourself. Mentally, how was that? Hard. Hard. It's, uh... It's really hard. I, I still, some days, I just... I, th- I think back on it. Some nights, you're just... I would hide. So, we would have one hour to ourselves and have these little group therapy sessions. We'd have an hour at the end of the day. And I would sneak off, say I was going to the bathroom between the chaos of all the meetings that everyone bullshitting and having fun. I would hide in my room and listen to the radio clock. Okay. Because that was the only music I'd heard in a long time. Yeah, fucking and sure. you just want to get away from it all. It's just, it is chaos. Being in a facility like that and, like, you think you know your exit date, but not being able to escape, like, what's the mental, what, you know? What? You have to build a mental fortitude. You have to, you almost just go into autopilot. Yeah. You shut yourself off. You close your mind off. You just have to do it because you have no choice at that point. It's, it's either fight. Yeah, it's either that or you're you're going back to the big house or you're going backwards, not forwards. And you definitely the more backward you get, the more fucked you get. The more fucked you get, the the longer your release date gets. Okay. From where you are, and uh, they rely on that, and they know it keeps people in there. Yeah. What was the hardest point in your institutionalized career? Uh, all of it. All of it? From the first day. You know, the first six months I was grateful. I was grateful. I was I was clean. I was thinking clearly. I was like, I can do this. I can change my life. Well, after the first year, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Give me back. Mm-hmm. And so then you just you you go through that battle for yeah. the next couple of years. You're just like you're trying to keep a positive attitude. You're you want to change your life. You want to change other people's lives. You want to do something good. And not not everyone wants that, but that was for me. Okay. Um, so you have that battle going on. Um, you're one. You're constantly thinking about your family the people you knew and or you once knew you know you lose you lose some of your best friends they die while you're in there you never you miss a lot you miss a lot and uh, you have to you have to live with that and by missing those moments did it make you want to change even more or you're just like fuck everyone I want to go back out and fuck the world I just, I never thought about going back out. I just was hurt. Yeah. And uh, I think we beat ourselves up a lot more than we should as alcoholics addicts. 
and uh, I don't I I wanted to change because I was tired uh, fuck this shit yeah. I'm done I need to get on with my life so you've been through a fucking battle you know well, some because of yourself some not because of yourself yeah but you know seeing you today like if you if I didn't know that before you like I would have no idea that you went through that shit yeah uh, what you weigh 185 pounds lean now yeah you're fucking what you just won like gold and gold 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 and silver medals in two two different divisions in uh, grappling industries yeah, like you're fucking like you you've done a total 180 from my perspective, and like I don't know how it is from your perspective, but when the outside looking in, like you definitely have. It it's uh, there was a turning point. I think I do owe that to to the system, as I was just pissed and I was tired, tired of running, and I said it. The only way this is gonna work is if I just change it all. I had to change it all. It was everything. Friends, uh, not so much family, but a little bit of family. Uh, The key I found was when somebody would offer me an opportunity, I would show up. I didn't say no, I said yes, and I made sure I followed through with that commitment. And with each opportunity that came that I said yes to and I did and I showed up for came another one Um, I mean I've met some big people here in this town this community that have really stuck their necks out for me and afforded me opportunities that I that are just I'm really grateful for yeah and uh if there's anything I learned, it was just if someone offered me an opportunity, I showed up for it. Shut up. And I said yes to almost everything. I still say yes to everything. It's got <laughs> it's got it's a curse and a gift at the same time. Because you're a busy man. I am. I I bite off a little more than I can chew sometimes, but uh, I try to make sure I make most of my commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of service. I help others. I. Now I volunteer with the Baxendale Fire Department. Yeah, look, I want to talk to you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, why, why the fire department? What, where's that going to? Like, you end up running down a field and going to prison, and now you're working for a fire department. Yeah, like the, the irony in it. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, so my boss, Frank Kohler, who I started working for about two and a half years ago, uh, after about a year of working with him. We became pretty good friends, uh, doing CrossFit together. He came and tried some jujitsu and grappling out with me. Uh, we live kind of close to each other, and he said he works with the Baxendale Fire Department. He has a meeting, and this is one of those opportunity moments that I'm talking about. He said, "You want to come to one of the meetings? Just sitting on one of the meetings?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Check I said, it out. "Yeah, I'll check it out." So I went that night and I met all the guys. Uh, and as we're getting ready to leave, uh, the chief Jordans he he came down and talked to me and he said, uh, "I talked to the guys and uh, you're on." And I said, "Really?" 
I said, that's, a, that's awesome. So there's the other opportunity out of the opportunity. Okay. And he said, here's this application, fill this out. And uh, on the application I said, why do you want to volunteer at this fire department? And I thought about it long and hard. I, my crime was arson. I demolished someone's barn, or two people's hard work, hard earned mm -hmm. money. And I said, I, th I think I couldn't even think of a better way to give back. There you go. As a, uh, as a firefighter. Yeah. And uh, so far I've been on a lot of medical calls, um, just as a helping hand, you know, you show up, you start CPR, you wait for EMTs to get there, you try and keep the situation calm, you help the EMTs out with whatever they need, a couple fires, nothing big, nothing major. I mean, we do do wildland, so last year we were kind of lucky with not a very bad fire season. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that'll all change one of these summers, and uh, we'll be back in action, but... So far, it's been really... Unfortunately, you will. Yeah. <laughs> the state's going to be fucking on fire. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, it's been really rewarding, and I think that's also another part of me remaining sober today. Yeah. Is giving back, uh, just kind of being of service. And I'm so busy, I don't have time to think about what else I could be doing. Yeah. You know? And if I do think about what else I could be doing, it is constantly, what else can I do to better myself today or at this moment instead of just standing here watching YouTube videos? <laughs> right. Well, I do that, but it's like, you know, self-learning books. Yeah. Self-learning YouTube. Self-learning, you know, podcasts, YouTube channels. I do do Audio do books. That. Like, I don't watch fucking cats on YouTube. Like, <laughs> that's not, that's not the what funny I do. memes. Yeah, it's yeah. just like now, like now that I've turned twenty five, like my own, like I'm just like all focused on learning. Like before, like when I fur like around nineteen, I was like slowly learning. A friend introduced me to podcasts and whatever. But now it's now like if I got fifteen minutes, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm gonna fucking watch Dave Ramsey about investing. Educate. Yeah, it's yeah. like crazy. Cause fucking back in high school, uh, I didn't make it to high school, yeah, so like. There wasn't, you know, learning was not my thing. I, I didn't think how, I didn't understand how algebra could fucking, is what I'm going to do today. Like, it, yeah, it's useful for people that fucking use that shit, but not for me. And still to a point, it's still useless to you. Because your your interests are this, podcasts, uh, you know, the social aspect of everybody's, yeah, the world turning around. That's your your interest. What makes the world go round? Not really algebra or mathematics or oh, formulas. Man, fucking you know, teachers, professors. Thank you. You got to do that shit. But that's not for me. Yeah. So um, you know, we we talked a little bit about your your medals that you won last weekend. Like, how did you get into jujitsu? Like, why out of all the mixed martial arts, why jujitsu? So I I wrestled for bunch of years I uh, I was a barroom champion I loved fighting and okay so 
as another opportunity at fresh out or in pre-release this last time mm-hmm. I ran into Jeremiah Johnson at Express Employment here in town okay uh, he offered me a job I worked a job for him he's the one who got me the job with Frank Kohler at Kohler Tire okay uh, so he was my first contact my first opportunity moment he uh, he said when you get out of pre-release you should come try Kujitsu and I said Sounds interesting. Probably be up my alley. And uh, he has a similar story to, to what I have. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Same, same, almost exact story. Five okay. years DOC, turn around, change it all. Cool. Um, so we became really good friends, like best friends. Me and him, when I finally got out of pre-release, I called him up and we went. He took me to my first uh, jujitsu training session. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I about threw up. Yeah. And the guys just beat the hell out of me. And I felt so good after I left there. I oh, really? Like, this is this is it, you know. You you have arrived. Yeah. This uh-huh. is, this is my ticket. Um, I I often call it my AA. Yeah. And. Uh, it's a brotherhood. You are, you are so close to these, these individuals, and uh, and uh, you have just you share something with these guys when you you tap to somebody. You know, yeah. somebody gets you in a submission and you tap. It's it's respect. You know, it's it's love. Um, and you can take so much from jujitsu and put it into life. This is what I really like about it, the jujitsu philosophy. You know, you get in these tough positions in life as you do in jujitsu, and you either keep fighting and get out, or you tap out. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, there's no, there's nothing bad about tapping out. If if you can't do it, don't do it. Because you'll end up getting hurt in one way or another. Yeah. Is how I, this is my philosophy, this is jujitsu, my jujitsu philosophy. No, let's talk, let's fucking spill it out. Um, So, you get in these positions, so on and so forth. Um, And the work ethic with jujitsu, you have to train four to five days a week, sometimes two times a day. Yeah, you're uh, what, you're at the gym at five thirty. I'm up at five thirty. I'm at the gym by six. Okay. We're training till seven thirty. From seven thirty to eight, I'm at I'm at school by eight. Um, school till about four. Then I'm at work. Then two, three nights a week, I'm firefighting. I'm I'm training a lot for different aspects of my life, but jujitsu is. Uh, taught me a lot about the the work ethic if you want something in life you want to be the best you want to you want to not get tapped out you got to get better yeah so you got to work harder Joko or Jocko Jocko Willings yeah I li- like when me and my ex broke up like I just came across this podcast like the one podcast but I've listened to it like every 30 seconds it's like jujitsu is the answer to everything yeah fucking Bitch fucking breaks up with you. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu's the answer to everything. You're broke. 
Jujitsu is the answer to everything. Yeah. You're gonna be a crazy little bitch. Jujitsu is the answer to everything. And I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. And um, then like just seeing you do it and see how, what it does for you. And like, we you started how long ago? Like a year ago? A uh, little over a year ago, almost. almost. Okay, yeah, and year like, and a half. You're fucking like a gold medalist. I haven't walked away from five tournaments without a gold or a silver. Yeah, like and just from starting at a year and a half ago, like, how long do you think those guys that you're competing against have been doing that? Uh, either as long or longer. Yeah, it's just like, you, you picked up on it, you're going, and all, you know, you do have the wrestling and the boxing background, but you weren't doing it every day. You weren't, you know, you were in your drug and alcoholism, right. fucking, fucking off, like, in prison, like, there is... You know, so just picking it up and having it as like I use powerlifting or lifting as a form of my med- my meditation. Yeah. It seems like what you did with that. Yeah, it basically is that uh, when you're when I'm on the mats, nothing else matters. Yeah, I I have to focus. I have to just my bills, my 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 chaos, my life. Nothing else matters. I love the sweat. I love the grind. I love waking up and just knowing that today's another day that I'm going to grind and I'm going to finish strong and I'm going to make something out of this chaos. Yeah, for sure. And you meet so many different people from all different walks of life doing jujitsu. People you would normally never, ever run into, you Mm -hmm. know, you got... You got legislators. You've got businessmen. You've got family guys, family dads, and uh, I mean, police. I mean, I roll with a lot of different police officers from this area. Yeah, um, something that you probably never thought you'd ever do. Yeah, and and I call them friends. They're really good friends of mine now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I do. I owe. A lot of this to jujitsu, and it's I really enjoy it. That's awesome. So before we go here, you know, if there's like three things, piece of advice, or three things, you know, somebody starting off in jujitsu, you know, what's your three pieces of advice? What's your three pieces message to the world? Find something you love and stick with it. All right. Wake up, do everything you have to do that day to make your commitments. There you go. And you're doing it. You've yeah. done a fucking 180, going from every goddamn institutional place in the state of Montana to now fucking rolling on the mats with cops. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> and helping out our fire department. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Good. Oh, do you, do you have anything else you want to say? No, that's, that's about pretty much the my life in a nutshell well I appreciate you coming out here and taking the time it's it's awesome Um, cool well thank you Lonnie awesome thanks Robert